Pride Valley, and welcome to another episode of the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the insights and analytics pros that you trust. Uh, today's guest is a super, super good friend of mine, uh, someone who made my family's transition to Dallas four years ago really wonderful and memorable in many ways. In fact, uh, we first met in a hot tub, so we got off on the right foot, but uh, <laughs> That's a story for another time. So Jessica Gomez is really one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever met when it comes to digital marketing. So she started her career in San Antonio. And then she was a digital sales manager for Tribune Media in Dallas or WPIX TV in the Big Apple, New York City. And very recently, she just joined Odyssey in Houston, Texas, formerly Intercom. Now, in addition to all that, she's also taught digital marketing at the college level. And a lot of people that know Jessica don't know that she's actually an accomplished flamenco dancer. So we're going to talk about all that stuff and some data and some music and more in today's podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So super excited to be here. Um, I remember talking to you at the pool when you had a brainchild idea of this podcast and um, I thought it was a brilliant idea and obviously tons of other listeners agreed so um, so proud to to see you doing something that you love and and honored that you would have me be a part of it well thank you so much Jessica if if you don't like this episode you only have yourself to blame now so <laughs> there you go. True. No, I'm super happy to super happy to have you on today Jessica um so any chance to uh, any chance to chat? So uh, let's start out. Let's start out with your career. So how did you how did you first get into digital marketing and take us to sort of what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so I was going to school and had gotten a part time job as the part time receptionist for Ken's Five, which is the CBS affiliate in San Antonio, Texas. And um, was doing that and kind of going to school and doing a whole bunch of other things. Um, flamenco being one, and so we'll <laughs> later. Um, but really kind of trying to figure out what exactly do I want to do. I worked in almost every department of the news station while I was doing that. So I um, worked on our, uh, it's called Great Day SA. It's their local lifestyle television show in the mornings. Okay. Um, I worked in a newsroom um, for Friday Night Football, and which is a big thing in Texas, um, and um, during political nights and different things like that, um, helped out in creative services, kind of just did everything and, and was kind of a backup for people when they were out on vacation or out sick or whatever. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this journalism thing. I'm going to go that route. And then I realized after working at the station that it was the salespeople who had the nicest cars. Um, <laughs> so I thought, huh, what's that about? And I figured, well, if I was going to get paid to talk all day, that's still talking all day. It's just different, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so I joke with people now that I, I literally get paid to talk all day. And yeah, there's some analytics and different things and, and data-driven stuff behind that. But um, I really do love what I do. And so started out as a receptionist. I left for a year um, 
in that year, I had my daughter, who you know very well, Zoe. Yes, beautiful Zoe. And uh, and then my boss called me and asked if I wanted my job back. And I had a three-month-old baby and figured, well, this part-time thing, sure. Um, plus, I had really missed it. And my dad knew that I missed being at the station for, a, 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 you know, the whole time that I was gone. And um, so he said, why don't you just go back, get your foot back in the door, wait for something to open up. And uh, so I did. And about probably eight, right when Zoe was about to be a year, a sales assistant position opened up and I went for it and they gave it to me. Um, so I got that promotion. And in that role, I started out as a sales assistant. I started kind of veering towards um, other things like putting together special projects and station initiatives, working with our new business development manager on mm -hmm. different things like that. Um, everything from helping kids, uh, you know, who are in the foster system get adopted and find uh, their forever homes and forever families to like backyard barbecues and all type of different sponsorships and station initiatives. Right. Um, and then I kind of evolved into an account manager role where I was actually working on accounts that we were holding on to build a list for someone um, or that were house accounts that weren't um, quite assigned to somebody yet. Okay. So that, um, and Sarah Fulmer, who you know as well, um, yeah. she was the director of sales at the time. And I went to Sarah and I asked her to be my mentor. I promised her that I was not needy and that she would never have to teach me anything twice. Um, and told her that I wanted to grow and, and I wanted to move into sales and I wanted to learn that space. And I thought that I could be successful at it. And so she said, sure. And she, um, the first piece of advice was make yourself invaluable, do all the jobs that nobody else wants to do. And right. so I did that. Um, and eventually I moved into a digital marketing specialist role where I was working with a team of executive account executives, helping them close digital business and do pre and post sell stuff for them. Um, and then I moved to a digital account executive role where I was just focused on developing my own list um, for myself of new direct digital business. Okay. Um, and so Sarah left the company at that point. Um, she's originally from Dallas and wanted to get back to her hometown to be closer to her parents. And so she left to be the director of sales at um, CW, KDAF TV in Dallas. And um, a few months later, we had had a lot of turnover. There was a buyout and different things, lots of new leadership. And I just felt like this is a really good time for me to grow, right? Like I, there's a lot of change going on. And if I'm going to look for something and, and have it be a, a smoother transition, this seems like an opportunity to do so. So I uh, asked Sarah if uh, I could use her as a reference, unless she had a job for me in Dallas. <laughs> and she said, you wouldn't come to work you know, you wouldn't move to Dallas um, to work for me. And I said, I absolutely would. Um, so long story short, she brought me to Dallas to be her digital sales manager there. I was there for five and a half years. Um, Dallas was very, very good to us. And your family, the Valley family is, is a big part of that. Um, and us feeling like we have, have roots there because of you guys and, and our friends that are like family, just like y'all. So um it was, it was a tough decision, but it was a dream that I'd had to um, make it to New York City. 
And so I um, accepted a position with WPIX TV and started work the week the pandemic hit. <laughs> I was in the, yeah, I was in the office for four days when we were sent home. And so I started work. I, I got to um, New York Sunday. I started work Monday. Thursday, we were sent to work from home. Sunday night, we were told that we didn't know when this was going to end. Um, and my boss at the time told me, I don't care if you work from New York, New Jersey, Texas, wherever, but I know your daughter's in Texas. Um, if you want to get to her, you probably want to do that. So exactly one week later, Monday, uh, I was on a plane back to Dallas, <laughs> did all of my onboarding and managing and coaching um, remotely, <laughs> basically uh, until we moved um, and made, made the final move in September. And uh, so it was a very interesting year um, and really impactful to be in um, an organization that was in New York, in a news organization right. um, in New York at the height of the pandemic when they were the center. It was, um, I don't even have words for what that was like. Um, but throughout all of that and, and um, the success that we had with the team there, I, I missed my parents, um, I missed our friends, and I missed breakfast tacos. So, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. It's hard um, to say. <laughs> yeah, so when I had this opportunity with Odyssey come about, um, it, it made sense. It was still a big city, Houston, Texas. It got us closer to our family and friends, um, and it checked a box off of my list that's been there for a while, and that's radio. Right. Um, so I just started with Odyssey. It's already so much fun, um, an incredible leadership team and incredible team in general. So I'm, I'm really excited. And that's kind of like my A to Z story, Matt. <laughs> super cool, super cool. There's, there's some of that that we'll, we'll dig a little bit further into. <clears throat> but first I'd like to take a jog aside, right? Because uh, you, you already, you mentioned flamenco dancing now. I know that you can dance because we, we've rolled up the rug a couple of times together and done some <laughs> dancing late at night. So, um, so it doesn't surprise me that you've got some dancing in your past. So let's, let's hear a little bit about that. So um, I, it's a very interesting story how I got started. Everybody, you know, it's very much a San Antonio thing, Folklorico and Flamenco. Um, and so I was in college and I was looking, I was um, a makeup artist at the time, uh, was one of my jobs, I've had many. Um, and so I was a makeup artist at the time and I was looking to get involved in some sort of volunteer work, right? Um, just kind of felt that tug. And I stumbled across this program called Queen for a Day. And um, it was where, uh, pageant queens or, or would go to the children's ward um, for people, you know, kids that were really ill, battling cancer and different things like that. And they would go do the girls makeup and nails and that sort of thing and bring them tiaras and kind of make them queen for a day. And I thought, oh, I could go do their makeup. That's easy and it's something that I love. And this is a great way to give back. And so I reached out to the program director and she said, oh, 
so here's the thing is that it's actually pageant queens that go and do this, not just like makeup artists. Have you ever thought about doing pageants? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> well, why don't we meet? And so she said, I'm having a makeup workshop. She was also a makeup artist. Um, why don't you, you come to the workshop? I'd love to meet you. Let's chat. Well, fast forward, she convinces me to do a pageant with her. <laughs> was called the Ethnic World Pageant. It was actually filmed um, as a documentary on women's entertainment television. It's, I believe it still stands to be the only true pageant documentary, not reality show, <laughs> um, that, that has been done to date. Um, and, and so- are you, in that, are you in the documentary? I am. Oh, cool, all right. I am, I actually- Check out. <laughs> um, so I, I was competing on the team level. Um, I got first runner up. The girl who won the title, who beat me, um, still a friend of mine, she actually won Miss America in 2010. Oh my um, goodness, wow. And our pageant director um, who, had, who um, created this pageant system, and it was called Ethnic World because it really was about breaking the norms and really um, celebrating different skin colors, different hair types, all of that type of thing, right? right. Um, is uh, she actually just started doing pageants again and just won Mrs. Universe, I believe it is. Um, oh, goodness, wow. So very cool, yeah. Um, but the friends that I made there, I mean, I will say that it's true, the friends that I made there, I'm still contact, you know, still in contact with them on social media. Um, and we live all over the country, but uh, great, great women. And, and it, was a, it was a great experience. I never did another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did compete as Miss San Antonio Teen 2004, I believe. Um, but I said all that to say that the reason that I got involved with flamenco and folklorico dancing was because instead of a talent portion, mm -hmm. um, was called cultural expression. Okay. Whatever your talent was had to be directly connected to your heritage. Okay. And, you know, Hispanic, Latina from San Antonio, Texas, folklorico, flamenco. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally planned on learning one routine to get through the pageant and be done. Um, but I fell in love with it. And the same friend who convinced me to do the pageant said, hey, I'm gonna start a professional flamenco troupe. Um, so we, she started that. I was a part of her troupe, um, helped co-direct that troupe with her. We were all over. We performed a fiesta. We performed downtown in Market Square almost every other Saturday, um, got hired for weddings and uh, Valentine's Day dinners and all kinds of fun stuff. So um, that was a really fun time. Uh, I tried to convince Zoe to do it, Matt. And she, but uh, I, I guess her and Preston, they, they always have ballroom dancing, so. Yes, yes they do, they do. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, that this is something I really admire about you, Jessica, is that anything you take on, you just, you're all in, right? <laughs> um, and that, that's also true, uh, certainly of your, your digital marketing experience. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, I think about, 
the pandemic, you mentioned uh, working in a newsroom in New York City during the pandemic. And I know how the pandemic has impacted the, the research industry. Um, interested to know from your perspective, um, you know, how did it really affect the media landscape? We know it has, but, you know, for somebody who lives it day to day, how would you characterize that? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, the pandemic changed every aspect of everyone's lives um, and, and how we do business, period, right? And um, it, was, it was interesting as a, as a marketer to um, watch the paradigm shifts and the evolution of the marketing as it happens in real time. So, you know, um, it, it started out as like, everybody's messaging was, everybody stay home, please stay home, stay home. Um, and then as people started to really battle with loneliness and, you know, um, mental health issues in a way that they probably hadn't before, and that was becoming prevalent and people were talking about it, which is a good thing, then it was, we're all in this together. We're all in this together, right? And it was that messaging from every brand, fast food, car, you know, auto industry, healthcare, it didn't matter. It was, we're all in this together. Then it transitioned into everybody having the messaging of, thank you to our frontline workers. Here's what we're doing to support our frontline yeah. workers. Here's what we're doing, you know, to, and then it transitioned into, hey, support local businesses, they're, they're gonna go under, they're gonna go, you know, support local, support local. And then it was, we're opening back up and we're doing so safely. So, so there were very clear, um, very clear paradigm shifts in marketing messages as the world was changing, as this virus changed, right? Right, yeah. Um, so that, that was really interesting to watch um, as a marketer. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, um, you know, I've always said that marketing for, for a brand marketing to their consumers, it's like you're courting somebody, right? It's like dating, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're putting your best foot forward. You're saying the things you think they want to hear, hoping that they're going to say yes, right? Um, and so I think that in general, the, the internet... Um, and the World Wide Web and, and everything that's come along with that in this age of technology um, has, has made the shift, but then pandemic like put that shift on steroids, right? So right. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, like old school dating, uh, you know, people were like, wanted to be invited to the best parties. They wanted to go to the hippest clubs and the newest, you know, bar and whatever else. And you wanted to be there all the time to try not to miss anything. It was like FOMO existed back then before yeah. the acronym for it, right? Um, <laughs> how you were gonna possibly meet this person, right? That you, that you would end up with. Um, it's interesting because there's actually a podcast and I'll tell you about it later, but um, TGI Fridays was like the Tinder of the 1960s. <laughs> it was like where people went to meet people. Yeah like singles, right? And I, I didn't know that. Um, I found that fascinating. But, um, and then online dating shifted everything, yeah. right? Same thing with digital marketing, online marketing shifted everything. So traditionally you'd be at the hippest bars, the coolest clubs, all of those things, the, the best, best parties, 
Um, you'd be on the traditional media, marketing-wise, right? Big, reach, TV, radio, billboards. You wanted to be everywhere and reach everyone, right? Um, and then online dating comes, and it's really not about that, right? right. It's about checking the boxes, putting in your search uh, criteria of what you want, and then mm -hmm. boxes about who you are, and the algorithm kind of does it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what online marketing does now. It's not about having to be everywhere. It's about being in the right spot at the right time with the right message to the right audience, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, and then pandemic, I was, like I said, just having this conversation, took that a step further, right? Online dating shifted. And I know this because I have single friends um, and I'm single and um, all of them were like, hey, uh, it's weird because we want to date, but we, we can't like meet up with somebody that we don't know. Are they safe? How do I get to know them? Now I'm like Zooming dates. Like, you know, there's all these different stories. Yeah. Um, so it's the same thing with marketing, right? Now it's a matter of not only is it getting the, to the right audience on the right platform, but you've got to make sure that you're telling people that you are brand safe, right? It's safe yeah. to come into my restaurant. It's safe to come into my store. It's safe to come into my auto dealership. It's safe to come in to my medical practice, whatever that is, right? Right. And so it's, it's just been interesting to watch. But, um, and, and lastly, streaming. Streaming audio, podcast, streaming video. Right. Is just... At, at an all all time high, number one, because people have more time now than ever to create user generated content yep. and to consume it too. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I see somebody on my Facebook feed asking for a new show to watch, to binge watch, you know what I mean? Or a new podcast to listen to. Um, so yeah, I think pandemic took what already happening and just put it on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So one of the other interesting, one of the things about digital media, that's very interesting to me is I think about, you're talking about traditional versus <clears throat> digital, what some of those differences are now I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a stats geek, right? Um, so I love the fact that it's really brought data to the fore when it comes to um, choosing uh, which channels to buy uh, and being able to very quickly understand what's working and what's not. So I'm kind of curious from your perspective, you know, kind of starting from, you know, the very beginning, something more traditional to digital marketing, you know, how does data really intersect uh, your role and what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Um data is huge. It's, it's everything, right? Um, now, don't get me wrong. I am a digital marketer first, for sure. I live, eat, breathe, sleep, dream the stuff. Um, totally geek out on it, as you know. But I, I, am, I also believe in traditional media, right? Um, I believe in the power of radio and television. Um, and even though the scales are evening out and maybe even tipping towards the digital side, they're not going away. And that's a misconception. Um, I, and, you know, 
as this as we have evolved with digital marketing, it went from traditional is is the key, you know, broadcast specifically in both radio and television, um, being like the big behemoths, right? Um, that that's the key, and you just need to sprinkle a little bit of digital just here. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had business owners tell me when I ask them, "What is your website for? What is your social media for?" And they're like, "I don't know. I just know I need to have one," you know. Yeah. Um, and and that's evolving now. Business owners are understanding that how important it is to manage their web presence and make sure that they're continuing the conversation with their existing customers in order to grow repeat and referral business, right? Um, and so, um, I, I I believe in the power of traditional media. Then it it kind of evolved into it needs to be tradigital, right? It needs to have. Right. Type of thing, and now the reality is, Matt, um, and this is something that we are talking about as as leadership at Odyssey in Houston, is it's got to be a platform agnostic approach, because it's not about the platform; it's about the audience, who you're trying to reach, and where they are spending their time consuming media, and how, right? Um, and so, data is a huge part of that. Huge part of that. Um, that data is what gives digital marketing its power for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can minimize waste upfront, right? right. By using data to say who, who is a target audience, right? Here's, here's what we believe to be our target audience. Tell me who that is, Mr. Advertiser. Here it is, X, Y, Z, right? Um, so we go after that. But that's just the beginning. That's literally just the beginning we can then really measure who are the people, the consumers that are engaging with your ad the most right. and can implement lookalike targeting, which basically I tell business owners is a fancy word for finding the internet twin, right? Yeah. <laughs> of um, the people that are engaging with your ad and, and your brand. Um, and sometimes that will give us audience insights that we, would have overlooked otherwise, right? Right. We know how to better target moving forward and how to optimize moving forward. I give the example that I was working with a, a law firm in Dallas and they're very high-end family law firm, want to deal with like, you know, the three to $5 million uh, homes and people that are, you know, divorcing and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, fighting over the dog like that, but those, <laughs> those big, yeah. Uh, yeah. big divorces. And so how, how do we target that, right? There's so much psychographic stuff that goes into that, but you don't know who's unhappy in there. Like, we don't know those things. Um, and so, nor can we legally target that thanks <laughs> to privacy stuff. But, um, so what we did was we implemented a lookalike targeting and you know what we found out? It's What's up? That, but it makes sense that um, the men, were golf enthusiasts <laughs> right. and the women were wine drinkers. We were able to gather those insights that we would have never even uh, occurred to us to go after that as a target audience, right. um, the data that we got. And then the other thing is that the data provides advertisers with actionable insights. And what I mean by that is 
um, how to create, what type of content to create for their audience that's going to get people to engage and different things like that. So it really, it, it goes, it, it's involved in every step of the sales process or every step of getting a successful campaign up and running, continuing right. the optimization of that campaign and ultimately driving results and conversions for that advertiser. Cool. Excellent. No, that's, that's really insightful. Really insightful. Now I can go and tell my wife the reason why our marriage is going so well is because I don't golf. Right? So, <laughs> it's all, it's all clear now. It's all clear now. Um, no, but that's, that's very helpful. It's very helpful. Um, so Jessica, you, you had mentioned uh, a podcast and I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. I'm curious what kind of media, whether it's podcasts or blogs or, or what have you, that you listen to for inspiration, enjoyment, personally or professionally? Open question. Okay. Um, well, I will say a um, couple of books that I love. Um, personally, I love Becoming by Michelle Obama. I have um, the book, Zoe has the book. And I have the audio book and I think I've listened to it two or three times and I'm probably going to start it again. But um, professionally, that isn't, uh, well, professionally, that's tailored to people that are in sales. Uh, it's an oldie but a goodie, the challenger sale. Um, I like the book. And then um, kind of on a professional but could doesn't have to be sales related, um, I love The Go-Giver and The Four Agreements. Um, are some books that, that I love that I've read multiple times over the years. Um, podcasts, well, I obviously love rock and roll research. <laughs> you have your song um, playing, right? The, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I'm a fan of The Marketing Detective, which is by Mitch West, who happens to be, um, you know Mitch, um, but he happens to be a huge influencer in my life um, and, and brilliant marketer brilliant salesman, brilliant performer even. Actually, he would be a good guest. Do you know that Mitch does stand-up comedy? I, I do, I do. Oh, you did, he did that for you, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, he, he um, took it over a small group of us one night. That's right, that's right. Podcast yeah. experience cycle, so yeah. Um, so anyways, I listened to him, but um, as far as like a, a me, like someone that I don't know, there's a podcast called Household Name. And I think I've told you about this before, Matt. Um, yes, yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. And whether you're in marketing or market research or in the field in any way, it's just, I find it fascinating. Um, it's like the untold stories of these household name brands. So there's like the story of Jell-O and like the, the Jell-O curse, right? Um, okay. And uh, it's the TGI Fridays was the Tinder of the 60s. Um, <laughs> nice. KFC, uh, KFC and like the, the in Japan, they, um, I think we talked about that, right? It's like so huge over there for Christmas and stuff like that. And yep. the of, of Colonel Sanders when <laughs> the statue was uh, dropped in the river or whatever. So it's just so many different fascinating stories. Yeah. of these brands that we've known our entire lives really um 
so anyways, I, I love that. I geek out on it. I actually haven't listened to it in a while and I've just recently started talking about it again, like three weeks. So I realized that I have like 20 or 30 episodes that I haven't listened to. So I'm going to start that soon. <laughs> All right. Super cool. Excellent. Well, okay, Jessica, you know what I'm going to ask you? Uh, I'm going to ask you about the Desert Island Disc, right? Which three records of your choosing you would want to spend the rest of your life listening to if you were stranded on a desert island? I'm going to ask you that, but first, uh, first I have to tell you, if you're stranded on a desert island, don't go chasing waterfalls. Please, please, I beg of you, stick to the rivers and lakes that you're using. <laughs> Okay, oh, Matt. No. <laughs> let's hear let's hear your three records, Jessica. Best so. Facebook response ever. <laughs> I know this is an inside joke, but um yeah, you got me, you got me. I'm totally like <laughs> wasn't expecting that. Um, okay, so I will come back and I will say I am a millennial. So does it have to be an album or can it be like a playlist or a YouTube mix. Oh, God. <laughs> Everybody wants to qualify it, to change it. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. I'll do an album. Okay, okay. We'll say do it your way, but it has to be three. Has to be three. Okay. So I was on a desert island for the rest of my life. Well, you know that I, I am um, the girl who was blessed with many mothers, right? And so one of my moms, Dorothy Bedford, is an incredible performer, singer, gospel artist, worship leader, pastor, all of those things. So if I could have an album of her singing all of her, the stuff that she's worked on and all of my favorite gospel music, that would be number one. Yeah, she, she's um, truly amazing, truly amazing. Yes, yeah, she's, she's incredible. So. Um, that, that would be number one. Number two, again, I'm just a girl, a Mexican girl from the south side of San Antonio. Selena. Selena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you knew it. Um, and see this, the third, the, the, only getting to pick three is so difficult. You know you want to say TLC. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so if Buzz left eye chili, that's what I you know. <laughs> but I, I think it would have to be Beyonce. Okay, yeah, very good. Very good. Can I give some honorable mentions though? You can give honorable mentions, but I'm gonna lock in your three, just so you know. You're locked in. I keep the stats on this stuff, right? So I gotta lock <laughs> in three. Uh, but yes, yeah, um, honorable mention, absolutely. Honorable mentions would be. Indiari, and, and it was a tight, tight one between a Beyonce or Indiari. Got it. Um, the only reason that Beyonce won is because she's got slow stuff, mellow stuff, fast stuff, dance, like, right? Whereas Indiari is just a vibe, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and Adele. Adele, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. If, if I had to, I would say every karaoke song you and I have ever sang. <laughs> some some are better than others. I, I this is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we we are indeed karaoke legends in our own minds. Um, but uh, absolute A team, top of the shelf, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and some of the most fun I've ever had, for sure. Same. So. Excellent. All right, Jessica. Um, any excuse to talk to you is a good excuse to me. So I'm, I'm super thankful that you were on the podcast here today. Uh, some really great insights about digital marketing, uh, especially during the pandemic. All that good stuff. I wish you all the best in your uh, role at Odyssey and your journey to Houston. And thank you so much. And I know I'll be talking to you soon. So far. That's right. I can't wait for you guys to come visit H-Town. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll be there for sure. All right. Thanks, Jessica. All right. <laughs>